welcome to Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Earl and Thomas, co-designers on Terminus, a subway building Euro for two to five players. Terminus is published by Inside Up Games and is currently crushing it on Kickstarter. Earl, Thomas, welcome to The Binge. How you doing? Good, good. Good, How are pretty you? good. Oh, I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys coming on the podcast. Uh, it seemed like a natural. I have actually been following this game for years. So we're going to get into that in a little bit later on in the podcast. But man, it is exciting to see people like something in its iteration literally years ago to where it is now. It, oh man, it, this is cool. I am pumped. So for starters, uh, how do you guys know each other? Oh boy. Earl, you, can go, <laughs> um, you can go first. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll start with it. Uh, we were, we were in the same high school. Uh, Tom was a year older than me, but we were kind of in similar classes, uh, film class in particular. And so we were just sort of hanging out with each other. We were working on each other's uh, projects for short films and stuff. And mm. kind of that's how it started. I know Tom will probably have stuff to add. Yeah, I mean, the film was a big thing. We both really loved short films. I think we both fancied ourselves budding filmmakers back then, but uh, obviously that really hasn't pan out. But, you know, that was kind of our, our I think, our inception to, to knowing each other. And uh, yeah, kind of since then, we've done a lot of other things together, like Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. So we've definitely followed through on, on that friendship for a long time. So. So was there any kind of like goodwill hunting kind of early script you guys worked <laughs> on when you're in high school, like uh, like some other people or? Oh gosh, um, I think those are still in uh, in secret uh, compartments that no one no one needs to know about. <laughs> we, we still talk about that once in a while. It's like, hey, remember that project we were thinking of? And I start like brainstorming and then it goes nowhere. Now, did you guys uh, go off to school for like film or anything like that? Like, did it evolve into like, did you take it that far at all or no? um for me it was different like i actually so we'll, we'll talk about failures i guess i applied for film school and did not get accepted to any of them but i applied for graphic design and uh took that for four years and that's sort of been my career for the past 15 years now oh wow yeah uh for myself i also did apply to film i actually made it into uh york all the way up to their final uh, round of interviews and then they decided that I wasn't a, a candidate so um, and then I ended up in English after uh, a bit of a stint in the theater department at York University so I was a actor for a year weirdly and then I kind of transitioned into English and now my career is nowhere near any of those it's actually in corporate training and development so I do like a lot of uh, you know those like learning modules at yeah. corporate uh, corporate places things like that so that's kind of what I do well there's still some acting in there a little for bit sure right? yeah a little bit a little bit of that kind of has got through that creativity there's a few video things in there so all those things from my past has kind of uh, made its way into that that kind of uh, skill set in, in some ways so and certainly i think when i talk to people who are in corporate jobs uh you know as their day job and you know board gaming is kind of a hobby on the side often they can draw upon a lot of the organizational uh skill set and tools that you have right in, in a large corporation those are the same kind of things you can apply when you're working on something like a board game whether you're designing it and uh, you know trying to organize it from that standpoint, or you're trying to take it to market, so I'm sure there's some skill sets you've been able to kind of transfer over. Graphic design for sure, Earl, <laughs> no doubt, has probably helped you guys during your uh, prototyping phases and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I think um, that definitely was a, a big part in like working on prototypes and definitely just, you know, trying to figure out how to make it a big splashy product for people, for publishers, especially yeah. uh, when we're showing it off. And now you guys being high school friends, uh, I imagine there's a certain level of shorthand you've kind of established uh, together, right? Like when you have people that are that close, I find, I mean, my, my design partner is my brother, right? So um, there's that kind of inherent built in kind of common language that you have when you've known somebody for such a long time. Um, or often I see those kind of teams do very, very well, right. When, uh, when it comes to things like uh, game design, did you guys find that at all, uh, you know, over the past uh, several years? I mean, definitely. I, I think, uh, one of the things I always take away from all the prototyping events that we've been to is I'm blown away by the number of solo designers and I just can't fathom to myself how I would have been able to do that because I think without having someone else with me that I'm close to that I can kind of bounce ideas off in that very inside joke kind of way at times I, I don't yeah. know how I would ever have come close to making something like Terminus without Earl there like beside me so um yeah that's yeah, definitely like yeah go ahead Earl yeah, like to add to Tom saying, like, I think that really started with us during, uh, not film school, but I guess like film class in high school, just yeah. us taking time, brainstorming scripts or like, oh, it would be cool if we did this. And I think just the way that we bonded over that was really helpful over the years. And I think that just translated over to, to board game design, where we just like, it's just an easygoing relationship in terms of like, hey, I have an idea, I want to add more to that, or I don't think that works, but could we do this? And I think... Um, that's just developed over years and years. Now you said earlier, you mentioned D and D. Is that kind of where you guys started in your gaming? Was it a lot of D and D when you're younger, or was it like heavy euros, or what was kind of your your jam when you're when you're younger? Yeah, I mean, my first, I guess, I mean, as a kid, I think I played a lot of those really traditional board games like Monopoly yeah. and all those kinds of things growing up. But I mean, in high school, I got my first taste of D and D. And it was, it was great, but I didn't really go back to the well for probably a few years after that. And then I started my own group and then I basically roped Earl in and now we've been playing together for 10 to 12 years. And I finally convinced him to run his own group. So he's now a DM of his own game, which uh, has been really interesting to watch. Um, but for me, the board game specifically, I really enjoy those really heavy Euro, heavy strategy, heavy punishing games where if you make a mistake, you lose kind of thing, right? I, I love that. And I hate luck. So that to me <laughs> is where uh, I kind of started to move my my enjoyment of board games. And I have a couple of older brothers, both of who also like those kinds of games and kind of got me into those kinds of games like Power Grid and Zolkin, things like that. So that's mm -hmm. kind of where I started to, to move, move into. What about you, Earl? Uh, for me, yeah, kind of in a similar start. Like, I, I remember playing a lot of Scrabble, Boggle, Monopoly, Risk, kind of the family board games. Um, it took me a while to kind of get into the wide world of board games. I remember a lot of uh, times in university playing Catan. That was kind of the start of like, oh, hey, there's a lot more games out there than kind of the typical stuff you see in people's shelves. And yeah, like, you know, kind of bring it back to D&D a little bit. Like, I heard Tom had... Kind of started his campaign and i was curious to like oh you know i've heard about this thing for so long so i wanted to jump in on that and yeah kind of um pretty much what is that like yeah 10 12 years now that's it's happened yeah. i've kind of started to play more board games basically so that's how it started for me and then what how did you guys come up with this idea for terminus where did the, what was the kind of the genesis for this and how long ago is this oh god <laughs> 
<laughs> Earl, do you want to start that one off? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, we had been friends for a while and part of what we were interested in doing was going to PAX. So we had um, gone a couple times and this is again, like years and years ago now. And what we ended up doing was we usually just ended up going to the free play section. If anyone's aware of when you're going to PAX, like the video game free play or the board or tabletop free play. And we would just like spend hours just like grabbing stuff there, playing games that we hadn't tried out. And the more we were doing that during um, during that weekend, we would start thinking about, oh, you know, this mechanic doesn't seem that strong or like, oh, that'd be cool if we like extrapolated and did something else with this. So just like the kind of like the seeds of board game design started yeah. like growing in our minds. And uh, to bring it back to Terminus, to like our game, uh, just one of those times coming back from PAX, we were just like kind of joking around about making like a a card game based on uh, trains and transportation and like it would be planes, cars, all that stuff. And we were coming home to Toronto. We're both uh, based in Toronto and taking the subway and starting to feel like, huh, like it's a little bit of a subpar transit system here. I wonder, you know, like, could we make it better? Is there a way for us to like, if we were in charge of making our own uh, subway system, what would that be like? And it started to coalesce into that board game design aspect that we had been like thinking about for days and days, just, just recently. And then how, when, at what point did you have kind of the first iteration of the game put together? Um, so the very first actual physical prototype that we ever had that we were able to play was in the summer of 2017. Mm. Uh, and we kind of, uh, I mean, obviously being very new to board game design at that point, um, we really didn't know what we were doing. And so instead of testing a lot of mechanics and a lot of ideas beforehand, we basically just said, hey, this sounds, we put a bunch of these mechanics together after thinking about them for a while. And then we just decided to order like a $90 prototype online without ever having to have played it before. And we were like, is this a stupid idea? Maybe, maybe not. We'll find out. And then we got the we got the game in. We were actually roommates at the time, so we got the, the game into our apartment that we were living in, and uh, we opened it up. We unboxed it, and it's a unboxing ceremony. And then we played it, and it actually like worked pretty well. And uh, from then on, you know, it obviously required a little bit of uh, tinkering at the very outset of it, but I sure. mean, it it actually worked. Like the mechanics that some of the mechanics that are still in the game now, like were there at the outset, and it all kind of worked. So. Um, that was really the first physical version of it that that long ago that we kind of had. Have you kept that? Uh, do you still have that copy? We have like parts of it. Like we have the original boards and some of the original components and things like that. Yeah. We've definitely sort of created some like, you know, Bibles of all the various like iterations, the various versions of the game over time. So we certainly have a bit of a, you know, a museum of Terminus going on uh, somewhere. That's cool. I think it was in like 2019. It was pre-COVID for sure. Um, I'd met you guys uh, and we're just talking just before we came on air. And yeah, I mean, you guys didn't even know, but I had met you guys in, uh, I believe it was 2019 at a game cafe, downtown Toronto. And they had a, uh, like a, I think it was like a game designers night that they, they were running. And, uh, I, at the time, uh, I think I just finished, um, with uh, tanks but no thanks the game we had just done on kickstarter and i believe i brought it out and i was trying to get people to play it and um and you guys were near the back and i remember walking by and i was like "Ooh, what is this this looks this looks tasty you know when you see those games on the table where you just have this kind of like 
you stop and you look, right? Because there's something there and you can tell right away. It is so cool to to have that memory from then and now look at where you guys have evolved to today. Um, how like you guys did a lot of play testing on this, right? Like this is this is a game that's been play tested and play tested and play tested to death. I would I would think is that is that fair to say? A hundred percent. Yeah. For sure. And then how did you guys first meet uh, Inside Up Games, like uh, Connor McGoey from Inside Up Games? How did that all come together? Yeah. So, yeah. So maybe moving past 2019. So we were doing a lot of playtesting. We were kind of getting to a real point where we felt very confident with pitching it to publishers at the time. And long story short, uh, the pandemic happened. It started to be uh, locked down. And we were like starting to talk to publishers, trying to get a bit of like a, you know, a reputation for the game and stuff. So we had to put that on pause and thankfully kind of towards the end of 2020, I think this was in October or November. Um, you might know them, uh, Sen Fung Lim and Jay Cormier, they ran uh, yeah. um, a contest essentially called Pitch Project. So people could bring in their sell sheets and pitch their game and they would have finalists who would be able to pitch their game I think it was like a five minute pitch to publishers who were watching this thing live. So we were one of the finalists and uh, lo and behold, Connor was one of the people who uh, watched it and like pretty much immediately after our pitch was interested, wanted to talk to us and set up a demo and kind of the rest was history there. And so for people who are maybe doing game design of them other on their own and and they're trying to figure out how to pitch um, their game. In this case, you had an actual pitch event, which is awesome. And Protospiel is another great way to do this. Um, was it an online, like, how did you, cause I know Connor is pretty far up North, right? He's, he's quite some distance from where we're located. You guys aren't too far from where I am. Um, was it online or how did you get, or did you send him a copy or how did you guys do that? Uh, so the pitch event itself was virtual. So it was like a, a digital, like live stream, not sure. just too dissimilar from what we're doing now. Yeah. And, uh, when we actually, so we play, we actually, during the pandemic had built a tabletop simulator, digital version of the game. Nice. Um, at that point, it was pretty bare bones. It was, you know, not a lot of the fancy automated movement and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. you know, we just had made it so that we could keep iterating and keep working on the game. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we played that with him a few times, a handful of times, leading up to him, you know, realizing that he really wanted to sign with us. And then at some point, we did send him, I think, one of our only two copies, or maybe even our only copy at that point, of, like, physical copy of the game. So we just mailed it to him, and then he you know played it with his folks his and then and, stuff, and yeah. then yeah so i think they still actually have that version and that version has been you know kind of used to you know evolve to now be the current version of the game that we have now so it's probably gone over gone through a lot of uh, different looks throughout the past like two or three years since we signed with them so and then it was it always called terminus or did uh, was that a name that uh, inside up came up with or uh, no, that was a, game, a name that we came up with pretty early on, actually. Mm, that was uh, cool going name. back almost pretty much to like the outset of um, sort of starting the, the game design. That was kind of one of the early things that we had we landed on. I'm not sure why we eventually, why, or why we decided on the name so early, but that was just something that I think we were maybe a little obsessing over at the time because we didn't know what we were doing. We just probably because it's a cool like, name. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool <laughs> name, right? So we yeah, were, that was kind of it, if the yeah. name works, it's a great name that, Hey, why not? They make it sticky. Right. So, uh, and then how many, how, what kind of changes like, so for those who are kind of trying to think, you know, understand what it's like to sign with a publisher, um, 
I imagine in this case, probably the publisher made some changes or did they, did they leave everything the way it was? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say that like 90% of the game is pretty much the game that we pitched to them. They were very happy yeah. with what it was when they saw it. Um, but there were definitely a few things that we might, might have altered either for balance or maybe we added a few more little bells and whistles and things like that. Um, there were, you know, a couple of like scoring mechanics that we added just to maybe beef up different ways that the players could actually earn points at, by the yeah. end of the game. So there was stuff like that. And when we had pitched to, uh, to, to them and through the pitch project, we only had a three to five player version of the game. And so mm-hmm. adding a two player uh, variant was something that they really wanted us to do. So that was something that we also had worked on with, with uh, Connor and inside up. So adding a way to play with just two players was something we added. And then we've been working as well on a solo version of the game that Hopefully we'll kind of make it in at some point, um, but that's also something that we've uh, we've been working on with them too. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I'm going to show people the actual page uh, I have on screen right here uh, for those who are watching either live or on the follow up. Uh, first of all, congratulations, guys! I mean, you're almost at two hundred thousand uh, dollars on a forty thousand dollar goal. That is amazing. Uh, two thousand seven hundred and forty four backers. Again, huge number. Uh, and still six days ago. So this thing's obviously going to hockey stick as it always does. Uh, probably end up around quarter million bucks. Um, man, that for your first game, bravo, <laughs> bravo. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, can, and, and there's some cool things that I want to kind of point out at the, at the top very quickly is that there's, you know, there's kind of like the re this will obviously get to retail eventually. Um, but as part of the Kickstarter, uh, you pledge, you actually have metal coins and pieces, right? In this game. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I'll that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, uh, I thought Tom was going to say something. No, uh, yeah, I didn't know. Gonna... A, we were like, oh, which one? Uh, no, the metal coins I know are specifically for the Kickstarter, but I think uh, the 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 regular version will just have the uh, punch board. Yeah, I think that. I read somewhere that you can like buy them afterwards, like aftermarket. But if you want them included in your so. game, you, you got to get it as part of the campaign. But people love the metal, that's for sure. The game looks gorgeous. Uh, you guys did an amazing job on this. Do you want to give a shout out to the artist that worked on this? Oh yeah, uh, Edu Valls, who uh, we we played the game with him, I think late 2021, because I think mm-hmm. we wanted to give him a sense of the game. And so he's been like, just the art was amazing. I think he told us kind of his sort of initial vision of what he wanted for the artwork and stuff. And it's amazing. It was amazing to see the uh, box cover the first time oh my when gosh. Connor revealed it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's awesome. It, it it definitely is one of those. And this is something that you're starting. To, I'm I'm seeing pretty. Con- consistently from inside up games is uh each of their 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 titles have really good box artwork um including the artwork on the inside of the game but just the box itself draws you in um can you walk us through kind of the the essence of how to play this game so if you're going to explain this game to somebody of what this game's about and how to play it how would you describe that Sure. I mean, uh, so as we've maybe kind of touched on, the theme is subway. So really what the game is, is that each player is a sort of private subway company, like a transit company, and they're all competing to build the best subway line in the city. The city needs subways, they don't have them. And we're all sort of trying to build our lines individually, which eventually forms like a, a nice big subway system, a big subway network. And if you have, you know, the best line, then you're given the keys to run the whole transit system. And that's kind of what you're doing. And sort of throughout the game, you are 
planning what your line is going to look like. You are deciding on, you know, the objectives that you're going to follow. The city is sort of saying, hey, we need a subway line that goes from, you know, this area of the city to that area of the city or a line that looks like this or that. And so you're trying to, you know, plan out how best you can uh, make that kind of subway line happen while competing with all the other players for things like resources and money and stuff like that, and also physical space in the city itself, right? If there is a spot in the city, only one of us can get there. So you're maybe competing with the other players to like get to those very prestigious spots in the city. Um, and you're kind of doing that over the course of a few rounds or in terminus, we call them years. So you have a few mm. years to build that line. And then at the end of the game, whoever has, you know, met all those objectives or met enough of them in a certain way to score a certain amount of points, then that player will be, you know, declared the winner and then thematically will be running that, uh, that subway system in the, you know, at the end of the game. And then talk a little bit about the rondelle, the action loop. How, do, how does that work? Is it, like, it's obviously a key part of the game. And can you just kind of touch on that a little bit? For sure. So, I mean, our rondelle in Terminus, we call it the action loop. And what it is really is just all the possible actions that you can take on your turn are housed in this, you know, circuit of possible spots. And when you go to a spot, there's a number of different actions. You take one and only one of those actions, which means that when you go there, you're deciding, okay, do I want to do this action or this action? If I don't do, if I take this one action, then I can't do the other one. So now I'm making this very big decision right away. And then when the turn comes back to me, I go to my next spot. And again, I make that same decision. So every time you move around this loop, you make that decision of what do I want to take? And what do I not want to take? And whether that's going to be, you know, the correct or not correct decision. And so as you're moving around that loop, you're sort of trying to be as efficient as possible, trying to make your actions in the correct order to, you know, eventually build that line that wins you the game. And uh, and throughout that game, the other players are also doing the exact same thing, which will determine what actions are good or bad for you as you're kind of moving around that loop over and over again throughout the game. And then there's these public projects too, which there's, so there's ability to, I guess, share some of these things, right? With other players, depending on who builds it, but other people can get their subway lying next to it as well and, and stay claim. Is that, can you talk yeah, a little bit about so, that? Yeah, uh, so there's a couple different things. So there's these development tiles that end up on the city board. There's these square tiles. Yeah. And these are kind of representing like, you know, airports or shopping malls or big condo developments. And what these are, you know, they get on the board and we're kind of saying, hey, if we build next to them, it's almost as if this is like a hotspot in the city that commuters, or riders are trying to get to to go shop or go to the airport or things like that. And what they're actually giving us are net new actions on that loop that we can then sort of do instead of the normal actions on that loop. So it's giving us a bit more of an ability to do cool stuff throughout the game. Um, So that's kind of what those are. And then there's other like sort of public actual project cards that kind of are at the top of the board. And what those are sort of like the city saying, hey, we're enacting this citywide project if anyone can fulfill what this is they'll score points at the end of the game and you know maybe a couple players can try to do those throughout the game and then maybe they'll score a certain amount of points based on how well they did that project when i was listening to some of the reviewers and uh in in previews and and one of them was saying that they were surprised how thinky this game was they said it's like very thinky, right? Is that been inspired by your type of gameplay that you guys used to playing uh, when you're younger? Because it seems like not only is there a lot of stuff on on the table, right? So there's a there's a great table presence, um, but it seems to be you're just 
the decisions you make need to be very decisive, right? And and be very strategic because it can impact you much later in the game if you're not setting yourself up for success right from the beginning. Uh, is was that was that a fair description that that reviewer said? And and, and was that intentional or was that just the way that things kind of worked out? For sure. I mean, I know for myself, I grew up playing a lot of uh, like strategy uh, video games like Starcraft and Warcraft and things yeah. like that. I know Earl can also attest to having played those games himself. So I, I love those kinds of heavy thinking strategy type games. And then for board games, when I got into them as well, I love those kinds of really crunchy, weighty games of that nature. Um, so I was always trying to make Terminus into that kind of game as much as possible. Um, and I think, uh, not that Earl was not trying to do that, but I know for Earl, he wasn't um, quite as experienced in those kinds of games. And I was always trying to say, hey, Earl, we should like, you know, make it as, as heavy, <laughs> as deep as possible. And he was always, I think in some way, trying to rein me in at some point, not that he disagreed per se, but I think he was always the devil's advocate of, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't like, you know, crush the player's soul in turn one of the game kind of thing. And I was always like, oh, that's the great thing to do, right? But so <laughs> I think uh, ultimately, I think we did achieve that nice balance of it being, yeah. you know, crunchy enough, but also still, it's a game that I think a lot of newer players or players that are not as familiar with those kinds of games can still get something out of it. I think they can still enjoy the game, yeah. even if they're not getting to that, you know, maybe upper echelon of of the heavy board game enthusiast type of type of play. And this one's a 25 minutes uh, a person uh, playtime, I think, right? Something, yeah, something yeah, along those lines, maybe 25, 30, 30 minutes. 30, 30 is probably more accurate, yeah. Yeah, so two people, hour, three people, you're looking at hour and a half. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, guys. Any advice for other designers out there? So this is your first kind of run at the, uh, at the, at the gambit. Um, I'm sure there's been a ton of learnings for you guys uh, along the way and uh, a lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears, I'm sure have gone into this uh, given the number of years. I know this has been in development. What are some advice you'd have for other people looking to maybe get their idea off the ground? Uh, number one, don't spend a hundred dollars on a, <laughs> on a prototype before you've played it. <laughs> um, no, but like it, it is kind of true. Like I think we, we went into board game design without really a roadmap or any clue as to how to do things. Yeah. And for us, it felt important to brainstorm and theory craft for so long before actually playing it. And we kind of learned in the opposite way of, Oh, we should actually be spending a lot of time iterating and like, you know, figuring this stuff out and playing it through. Um, Maybe it cuts down on the time it took to develop the game, but maybe it's also a good way for us to also learn like all these steps um, to actually make a a heavy game like Terminus is. Um, Yeah. But Tom might have other pieces of advice there. No, I definitely would agree. We def- we did so much of that theory crafting. We just spent so many div- you know developer sessions just or design sessions just spent like ten hours of just us talking and not actually playing any version of Terminus. And so, yeah. not that that was a bad thing, but I think we probably could have been better off or wouldn't have been able to iterate a bit faster if we had just tried stuff in the moment and been like, oh, okay, this doesn't work or this does work, kind of thing. So, um, I think that's definitely a key takeaway that you know our our any next game we would work on would probably be a little bit more fast-paced in, in that regard um and i think one of the other things that i always take away is not that play testing feedback isn't important but I, I always am cognizant that you know for earl and i we are like the experts of our game we know more than anyone else what kind of works and doesn't work in the moment and uh it's always important i think to take everyone's feedback with sort of a grain of salt in terms of it's not 
going to be wrong or anything like that. But I think it's always important to think about where that feedback is coming from when a person is playing the game in kind of a vacuum, right? They're playing it for the first time. They may never see it ever again and things like that. So it's always important to just kind of like be cognizant of, of that kind of thing. And not to say that there's not feedback that's really good. I think a lot of that feedback is and and can be really, really important. And I'm sure some of the feedback we've seen or all we've like taken away and helped us to make the game better. So I often find with feedback, it's important to uh, to jot it down, regardless, jot it down. Um, often you'll find that in the moment, it might not seem like it's valid feedback or that that feedback is something you're going to use. But there's been so many times where I still jot it down and a day or two later, as I'm still thinking about it and chewing on it, uh, sometimes I'll actually go back and be like, no, that, that was actually some good feedback. I'm going to implement that. Definitely the feedback I find is is different by audience, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to know, is your game just fun to play? Don't go and get a bunch of like hardcore gamers or game designers to play test it mm-hmm. because they're going to come at it from a, a very specific point of view right and it's they're going to go deep on mechanics they're going to think about balance and everything else and often kind of that that surface level um feedback which is it fun right that that's kind of the first that's why we're all playing these games is it fun right and so i often like to kind of hit both of those groups but i start off with the the lighter group to find out did you even have fun playing this game if the answer is yes or no, why not? And often they can't necessarily articulate why not. But if you kind of really listen, you can kind of pick away. Mm. Okay, this is probably what where I where I lost them. Keep iterating, then go back to when you're getting closer. Maybe then go with the designers and you know some of the pro spiels where you'll get like super deep feedback. And uh, and then that feedback you really got to kind of chew on for a bit because let's face it, sometimes designers will give you feedback based on the games that they like. Mm-hmm. and the kind of games they want to design and it may not be what you're trying to create for your particular audience right so uh, i think that's fair where are you guys going from here like this is the first one right so are you guys now this dynamic duo where you're just going to keep cranking out game <laughs> where's designs? that list let's let's find our list here of game ideas <laughs> yeah better ones in your back pocket yeah. oh, or boy. like where what's the next step yeah, we're we're definitely like we're we've been working on stuff behind the scenes as well. Um, even like way back at you know ProTO and and all the protospiels and stuff. Um, I can probably say like we're working on a couple like lighter games. I think maybe Tom will agree to this that I think working on Terminus is kind of like it's taken a lot of observe like our brain power, and it feels good to be able to work on something that's a little bit on like a shade lighter than that, mm-hmm. and you know maybe has a shorter development time as well. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, doing terminus, it's not like you're gonna crank one of those out every uh, two times a year, right? Like it's, it takes sure. some time, right? So, well, gentlemen, I want to wish you all the best on this campaign. Uh, again, congratulations! Uh, wow, uh, this is a massive, massive milestone for you guys, especially for your first game. Congratulations to Inside Up Games. For those who are interested in this game, I am going to put a link in the show notes. They can click on it there if you're part of the Board Game Binge Facebook group. Likewise, there's a link there you can click on, or you can just go to Kickstarter and type in Terminus and you can find it that way. Guys, I want to wish you all the best and you take care. Thanks. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. 
If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.